You are listening to the Already Gone Podcast, sharing stories of the missing, the murdered, the mysterious, and the lost. In January of 1998, 23-year-old Renee Sweeney of Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, had everything going for her. She was a college student, a senior at Laurentian University. She had a steady boyfriend, Mike, and was pursuing her passion, music, performing with the Sudbury Symphony Orchestra. Renee was renting an apartment in town and working a part-time job that covered her expenses. She was young, beautiful, talented, and happy. Now, Renee had an untraditional job. She worked at the adults-only video store in Sudbury on Paris Street. The store was located in a busy strip mall and just two doors down from a popular bagel shop. While the job had a seedy side, the hours were great, the location convenient, and the pay was good enough to keep her on course from a financial standpoint. Now, I want to be clear about this. The job was just a job. Renee wasn't involved in any questionable extracurricular activities. That's what made her brutal murder the morning of January 27th, 1998, such a shock. You see... Tuesday wasn't a normal work day for Renee, but her work with the symphony meant that she needed that Saturday off for a performance, so she changed her schedule around. Renee opened the store Tuesday morning, working by herself. The shop wasn't very large, and the walls and displays were covered with a selection of X-rated DVDs and videos to rent and purchase. At 11.15 a.m., Renee was on the phone with an employee at another adults-only video store. She told the caller that a customer came in, so she had to go. And this was the last contact Renee had with anyone other than the man who killed her. The man who entered the store that morning was wearing an ocean blue, high Sierra brand jacket and Brooks brand tennis shoes. He encountered Renee in the center of the store and attacked, stabbing her repeatedly. There were dozens of wounds, but Renee did not go down without a fight. She struck him, clawing viciously as she struggled to protect herself to stop the assault and hurt the man who was hurting her. Sadly, she was no match for her attacker, and Renee collapsed to the floor, a pool of blood forming beneath her. Her attacker stepped away into the small restroom at the side of the store, just past the register. In the restroom, he washed up, getting Renee's blood off his hands and face. And when he was done... The killer returned to the store, and Renee was not where he'd left her. 23-year-old Renee Sweeney was not done fighting for her life. She had dragged herself behind the counter, trying desperately to reach the phone and call for help. So he assaulted her again, delivering additional blows, and finally killing her. Renee was stabbed at least 30 times. Before the killer departed, He helped himself to $200 from the till and a couple of items from the shop, which he bundled into his jacket. Two customers entered the store and found him crouched down near a magazine rack. When they cried out in horror at the bloody scene inside, he began to run. He ran past the other stores, including running by the bagel shop. Then he cut across Walford Road, heading for the parking lot at Laurentian Hospital. He may have hidden there for a few minutes before cutting across some neighborhood streets and running across the grounds of two schools. 
Lockerbie Composite, and McLeod Public. The killer was running parallel to Paris Street, and his tracks were lost near Caswell Drive. The killer's movements were tracked by police dogs. They didn't find him, but police did find the bloody jacket, the ocean-blue-colored High Sierra brand jacket. He'd shed it as he fled the scene. What's remarkable about the jacket is that it was a lightweight coat. It wasn't appropriate for the frigid January weather of western Ontario. The temperature that morning was negative 17 Celsius, which is one degree Fahrenheit. That's bitter, bitter cold. They also found white cotton gardener's gloves. Not appropriate for the weather at all, but I guess it would be better than having bare hands. Left at the crime scene were his bloody fingerprints on the cash box, his tissue and blood beneath Renee's fingernails as she fought desperately for her life. He also left behind a footprint, a man's size 10, matching a Brooks brand athletic shoe. The High Sierra jacket that he was wearing was interesting because it was only sold in the United States. The jacket was sold at a store called Mervyn's, which is a department store chain, and it was sold the winter of 94-95. I've posted a picture of the jacket on the website, and the jacket is a men's size large. Now, there were several Mervyn stores here in Michigan, but the closest one to Sudbury was still a six or seven hour drive. The coat is a strange piece of evidence. Also, inside of the coat was a diaper pen, which I find a really strange thing to have pinned inside of a jacket, especially if it's not serving a purpose. But we're going to talk more about this pin later. Witnesses describe the killer as early 20s, 5 foot 10 to 6 feet tall, 140 to 150 pounds, or, since we're in Canada, 63 to 68 kilograms, and 152 to 157 centimeters tall. He had short, dark hair, glasses, and he was wearing jeans, Brooks athletic shoes, a gray hoodie, and the lightweight High Sierra brand jacket. Several people saw his face that day, so why has he been so hard to find? In 2017, Sudbury police took the DNA profile of Renee's killer and sent it to Parabon Nanolabs, a DNA company in Virginia, in the United States, and they create a snapshot composite of the killer. Remember, this is not an exact image of him, but a picture of what he may have looked like in January of 1998, paired with eyewitness reports of his appearance. Today, as we approach the end of 2017, Renee's killer is likely in his 40s and is still at large. Over the last few weeks, I've been in contact with Kim Sweeney, the younger sister of our victim. Over the last 20 years, Kim has quietly and diligently worked to find her sister's killer, and I was so pleased that she agreed to share her story with us. We will hear from Kim after a word from our sponsor. CanvasPeople.com is an easy-to-use, photo-to-canvas service that takes your favorite pictures and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy. I just sent in a photo of Floof, my ever-so-handsome dog, and I can't wait to see the finished product. Earlier this year, I got a canvas of a photo from our wedding. It is a high-quality printed canvas made in the USA with fast shipping. A print from CanvasPeople.com is a perfect gift for the holidays. Join the millions of happy CanvasPeople.com customers today 
Visit canvaspeople.com and use code GONE at checkout to receive a free 11 by 14 canvas. You just pay shipping. That's a savings of $69.99. That's canvaspeople.com. Promo code GONE. All right. We're talking today about your sister, Renee, and her murder, January 27th, 1998. And at the time, she was a student at the university, and she was, uh, I understand, a very talented musician. She was. <laughs> she was. She uh, followed the high school band. They went to many places when she was in high school. Halifax. Uh, they'd been to Costa Rica, San Francisco. Oh. They had uh, done all that through high school. And uh, into university, she was playing with the Sudbury Symphony Orchestra. So, yeah, she was a lot more talented than I could ever dream of being musically. So, What instrument did she play? She played the trombone. Excellent. Good brass instrument. Mm -hmm. That January, she was a student at the university, and she was active with the the Sudbury Symphony, and then she was also working. She was, yep. Can you tell us a little bit about her work? Well, wait a minute. You know what? What was she studying at school? She was studying music as well as history. Oh, she's a girl after my own heart. I love history. And oh. what was what was her goal after university? Uh, I think she wanted to go on to teach, teach music and teach history. Excellent. Yeah. And what was she a junior in college, or a senior? She was just a couple months away from graduating. Wow. Okay. So mm-hmm. she was she was finishing up her senior year. Yep. And like a lot of people, she had a part-time job to help her get through. She had her own Mm -hmm. apartment. Yeah. Did she have a roommate or was it just her place? Uh, No, she just had her own little one-bedroom apartment uh, in the basement of somebody's house. Okay. It was a cute cute little place. That end of January, it's very cold up in Sudbury. You, You guys are in the west end of Ontario. It's pretty chilly here. Yeah, it gets pretty snowy too. But she she was working, and can you tell us a little bit about her part-time job? Uh, she was working at an adults-only video store, part-time, but getting getting quite a bit of hours. And she worked there because the hours worked with her schedule, and it wasn't anything, wasn't uh, super busy there. So she was able to bring her homework and, you know, catch up on, do all her schoolwork while she was at work. So it, it just worked for her, right? Right. So she had been there probably a few years, maybe two or three years. So it was like she got the job when she was maybe a sophomore in college and just kept it because it was convenient with her symphony hours and her school hours and her social life. Yeah, it it just it just worked. Right. So she just kept it and paid for her rent, put her through university. And, uh, you know, they uh, I guess they were flexible with her hours. But in the in the weeks leading up to her death, it sounds like work got pretty uncomfortable for her. Are you referring to her maybe being followed? Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't... Uh, she thought she was being followed. Perhaps. We don't know. I mean, like, you can go somewhere and you just wonder, oh, wow, this guy's been behind me for a while, and then you end up losing them. So we can't, you know, we can't say for sure if somebody really was, but she was in a predicament a few times where she felt uneasy. She'd call me and say, ooh, you know, yeah, I was on my way home and 
just seemed like this car was following me. You know, I'm like, what'd you do? Oh, I took a detour, went all over here, and then they left. But, I mean, we can't say for sure if that's what was happening. Right. But she something had also was, been, was troubling her. Sort of, yeah. She was bothered by that, cause, as anybody would be. But, I mean, don't know for sure right? if, you know, she was being targeted, so to speak. The other thing that makes it weird is that the day this happened would have been her regular day off. She was not yes, scheduled she, to work that day. No, she shouldn't have been at work. She would have technically, that would have been her day off and she would have worked on a Saturday instead because it was a Tuesday that this had happened. And um, she had a Subway Symphony Orchestra on the Saturday, so she needed to switch shifts with somebody. If Here, someone was looking for her, they would not have expected to find her at work that day. That's right. On the morning of the 27th, late morning, right? Maybe 10 o'clock, 1030. Mm-hmm. She's alone at work and she's behind the counter and a man comes in and buys something and leaves. We think that's the yeah. same man that came in and made a purchase with cash, I'm assuming, and then left. And then he came back a few minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes later with a knife. That's what they're saying, but we don't know for sure. They okay. still never found who had gone into the store earlier in the morning. They had, you know, the police were asking people, if it was you, can you please come forward? Nobody did come forward to say that, yes, it was me who was in there. So once again, we we don't even know for sure, right? Right. It could have been the person who came in, left, and came back. I'm not... Or it could have been know. two separate people, someone who came in and made a purchase, and then this person that came in... That's right. ...to attack well, her. Exactly. Now, the person who, let's say it was somebody did come in and leave, I guess they would be scared to come forward to think that, oh, if I come forward, I'm going to be blamed for this, even though I didn't do it. Right. So it would have been nice if somebody would have came forward, if indeed there was somebody who just came in and left. But nobody did come forward to to say that they were there, made a purchase and left. So, okay. And at the time... You know, there wasn't any surveillance cameras like we have nowadays. I mean, when you go somewhere now, you're on camera everywhere. Yes. But at the time, it was, I don't know if it was illegal, but they were trying to protect the customers that came in the store. Their privacy. That, yeah, give them their privacy because it was an adult-only video store. And it's possible that if there was an earlier customer that morning, maybe it was someone who could be embarrassed by exactly being you there. Know, but, you know, 20 years later, I think we've all grown up a little bit and can say, hey, it was me. Totally. You know, yeah. Maybe the police should, you know, ask again. You know, if it was you, please come forward. Just just to eliminate stuff because there's so many unanswered questions as to why this happened on a Tuesday morning around 11 o'clock. I mean, yeah, what, what would she do? She didn't she wasn't involved in anything you know, she she was a good girl. She went to school. She, you know, had her job, paid her rent, did what she had to do. You know, she wasn't she yeah, wasn't she into was anything. Yeah, she just living her life. No, yeah, there was no reason for this to happen, and especially she shouldn't have been there. Right, she wasn't even scheduled to be there. Someone came into the store that morning, and they were armed, and they they attacked Renee. And yes. It sounds like she put up a hell of a fight. Oh, I know she did. (laughs) 
I know she did. And at first, at first, the police weren't saying too, too much because I guess they were going with the fact that only two people know what happened in there, Renee and the guy who did it. And if they would have released more information, then it sounds stupid, but people come forward and confess things that yes. they didn't do. They have to keep Which, some information back. Yes. So he came in. And uh, I know if he said anything to her, she was the type of person that, you know, stuff could roll off her back. But at the, on the other hand, she would definitely stand up for herself. Right. So if he would have said something to her and kept pursuing it, you know, whatever the conversation would have been, then I can see her telling him off. And if that, if that was the case, then he got upset. And yeah, but uh, from my understanding is, we weren't we weren't aware how many times she was actually stabbed in the beginning. Right, they, they didn't want to release that to us, but we know it was over thirty times. I think thirty six or thirty seven times. It was it was overkill. It was he, overkill. But he didn't he didn't finish her. He thought he had killed her and went into the back room to clean up or into the restroom to yeah, clean up. Went, yeah, he went and apparently washed his hands, and when he came back out. She wasn't where he had left her, and that's when he finished her off. Finished her off, I guess, so to speak. Her going for the phone in that condition just speaks volumes about what type of person she was. She was she was fighting. Oh, definitely fighting for her life for sure. You know, probably unaware of what he was going to do next. I guess why why didn't he just leave right away? He went. I guess he washed his hands, <laughs> cleaned up. I guess when he came out, she wasn't where she was originally, and that's where he finished it. And I guess as he was walking out, people walked in. There was a bagel shop on the corner. Of this it was like it was in a strip mall, so it was right. near the end of the strip mall, not quite the end, but more than halfway. Okay. And he ran around the front of the building, and there was a bagel shop there. There was a girl who worked at the bagel shop. She went in and. I guess she had tried to perform CPR on my sister at first. She but tried then, to save uh, her. She tried to save her, yeah. She was she was alive when she got there, barely hanging on. And then uh she didn't she didn't make it, so I'm sorry. Yeah. But when he ran, you and I talked about this a little bit previously. He cuz I asked you about Renee's boyfriend cuz she was seeing someone. And a lot of times law enforcement immediately looks at the boyfriend because, yes, of course. But you had an interesting story to tell me about this man who was running in his blood-covered jacket and Renee's boyfriend. Can you share that? Well, when he, uh, like I said, when he ran out, he went through the front of the building. Then he went around back of the building and what is now our hospital parking lot, uh, they've added on to our hospital that was there. Right. It was all bush area. I guess he had been in a few yards, came out, ended up crossing over, and uh, I guess at the time he was living in, in row housing, and he ran. From what the police are saying, he ran right in front of his kitchen window. You so know, he ran he, right by the boyfriend's apartment? Yeah, and like he lived in the townhouse, so, and wow. uh, yeah. And he said, wow, you know, he ran right by my window and I didn't even know. Police brought in tracking dogs trying to find this man. They and did. that's how they knew where he had run. 
Yeah. They followed him up to a certain point, which led actually right back to pretty much almost in front of the store. Wow. And then, uh, yeah. And then they lost him. Then there was more tracks further down. And then they had located the jacket stuffed under a rock. So can we talk a little bit about the jacket and the gloves? Sure. We've established that Sudbury, Western Ontario, January, it's snowy, it's cold. When You know, you guys have winter up there with a capital W. I'm near Detroit and your winters intimidate me. So they're, they're real <laughs> winters. And he was wearing like a windbreaker. Like it wasn't uh, the, the coat, the jacket that they found was this sort of teal blue, I forget the brand. I think it was a High Sierra Hi, Sierra. Yep. And it was an American-made jacket, like our American-sold jacket. And it was way, it was inappropriate for the weather. It was like something you'd wear like on a spring afternoon or a fall afternoon, not in January in the north. So he was not dressed for the weather unless it was an overlayer and he had planned because the jacket was like a bright teal color. Um, I can share a picture for listeners so they can see this jacket because it's it's one of the the pretty good pieces of evidence in this case is the person we we know essentially mm-hmm. what he looks like and then we also have this jacket. Yeah. But he had he had shed the jacket and shed his gloves at yeah. some point when he was fleeing the scene. Yeah. Hid them under a rock somewhere. After okay. the police like it was found later on no I I can't even remember how much later it was it could have been a few days. Okay. After they had found the stuff and confirmed that it was her blood right. on the jacket. Is the jacket and the gloves, is that where the DNA profile for him came from? Or was his blood found at the scene? Do you know? I'm sure his blood was found at the scene. Okay. Under her nails, his DNA. That's right. That's right, because she scratched so, him. Oh, yeah. she. I had told the police right after this happened. I said, the guy you were looking for is hurt. He did not walk in and walk out the same way. I'm telling you. And they waited a year before they released that information. I think it was the one-year anniversary. They said, think back if, you know, somebody around this time would have had scratches to the face and neck area. Oh. But I mean, not just... remember that. Yeah. and, And to me, it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have been just scratches and stuff. Like, I mean... It would have been gouges and a black eye. Yeah, like, you know, kicking and punching. Like, we used to wrestle all the time, and I lost. But uh, (laughs) so (laughs) she had had taken kickboxing as well. So it's not like she was completely defenseless, essentially. I mean, somebody has a weapon, and... Right, but she didn't... You you are. She didn't... But no, she she could hold her own, I'm sure, right? So that was a little upsetting, because I was adamant who you're looking for is not, you know, they're injured right now. Yeah. And they, they, they waited a year. Nothing came of it. Right. Yes. We've got the jacket and we've got, we have like a photo simulation of what he may look like. Yeah. What the police had done there is, uh, put his DNA into that. It's a phenotyping. It's a snapshot prediction results, phenotype report. And I'm going to post that picture on the website and in our Facebook group so that people can get a look. But obviously the picture is of him 20 years ago. We're thinking that 20 years ago he was in his early 20s. 
Yes. And that now, assuming he's still alive, he would be mid-40s. That's right. Sandy brown, short hair, blue eyes. He's he's rather ordinary looking. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice if they looked like monsters, you know, so we could be warned. Yeah. If you look at what happened was it was a couple of days they let out um, a first composite drawing. And then a few days after that, they put out a second composite, which they they, don't, they totally do not look alike. I mean, maybe there are some similarities, but mm-hmm. I guess, you know, everything's in the eye of the beholder, right? Two different people, yeah. gave, you know, what they thought they saw, right? So that snapshot with the DNA looks a lot more like the second composite drawing. But he yeah. wore glasses, he had light eyes, a narrow nose. And he left yeah. behind uh, cotton gloves and that blue jacket. Yes. I'm not sure if there was a sweatshirt or if he was wearing a gray hoodie sweatshirt that he had left behind as well. Okay. And I saw they have a footprint for him also. For his shoes, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, a, yeah, a shoe print. Yeah, like a Brooks running shoe, I'm thinking. So, yeah, size 10, which is pretty average. Very, very, very common, right? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it, it it's frustrating because we have all of this evidence in the case. We had people that laid eyes on him. We've got the the blood, you know, his his blood or tissue under her nails, the jacket, the shoe print, and this guy's just a ghost. There's Gone. no yeah, like in the wind. Yep. It's it, um, and you know, broad daylight. Yeah, middle of the middle of the weekday. Tuesday morning, you know. And it, they have the, the time frame narrowed to a 15-minute window because she'd made a phone call at 11.15. And then at 11.30, customers came in and saw him leaving. So, I mean, it's so yeah. it's so precise. Yeah, I think she was on the phone, possibly with the other store, and said, oh, there's a customer. But that is the person who probably right. walked in. Yeah. You know? It's just, it's... It's crazy. Like how how did how did this happen? Somebody has to know something. Yes. He you either, know. there's so much evidence it's it's maddening that there's not uh, more there aren't more leads and I really encourage people to take a look at the picture and to share the picture because someone is going to recognize this guy. Someone's going to recognize him. The other question I wanted to ask it's a difficult one but but how did your how did your family handle losing yeah, her? It, it was horrible. You know, this is the last thing anybody would ever expect to hear, you know, like car accidents happen, you know, stuff like that. But to get a phone call, to get to hear that, I, I my mom, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, my mom had MS, she had, she had been diagnosed with MS in 1993. She was managing, it was hard. I mean, over the years, between 93 and 98, she, you know, started to need a cane to walk and, you know, she needed help with a lot of things. But that was the last day my mom ever walked. My mom my mom never took another step Yeah. after that. Just having, you know, that kind of news that somebody killed your daughter in such a most brutal way for yeah. no reason, you know, in the middle of the day. And your you know, father had passed on a few years earlier. Yeah, we lost our dad in uh, 1990. 
Do you have any other brothers or sisters? I have uh, three stepsisters. But really, it's just it's just you. Just me. Yep. Yep, it would have been nice that, you know, they could have solved this before my mom passed away. Yeah. My mom my mom passed away a year ago. Oh, honey, but. I'm sorry. So, yeah. I I do want to mention that in addition to stabbing her, he did take a couple of hundred dollars from the register. But that really yeah. doesn't seem to sync up. He didn't it, need I, I, to attack I her the way was, he did. I believe it was probably an afterthought. Okay. Because um, it wasn't a cash register where you would punch the buttons in and then, you know, hit total and the drawer pops open. Okay. It was just like the insert of a cash drawer just sitting on the okay. counter. Oh. So Almost I like believe, a cash box type thing. Yeah, like a cash box. But it was more like the insert of a cash register. Right, like mm-hmm. you would pull out of the till. It was just one of those, and I believe he picked it up. So his fingerprints were found. His bloody fingerprints were found on the bottom of the drawer, and he just okay cleaned it out. Right, right, like yeah. So he just picked it up from where it was hidden, right in and, the counter, and grabbed he picked the cash. it up. Yeah, picked it up, took all the cash out, and they think there was a few items missing too okay. from the store. Maybe that's what he was doing, was trying to grab something, stuff right. in his coat. But it's and just she... such a violent attack for a robbery. Uh, yeah. It, 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 um, the level of rage and um, violence is just so the, out of balance. There has to be some sort of mental illness involved. Right. I mean, you can't just... Right. Or it was like she said, he was stalking her. The the other thing I wanted to bring up, we talked about this previously um, in our previous conversation, her car. You know, if you've ever worked retail, you're not supposed to park by the door. That's for the customers. You park, you know, on the far side of the lot. But the pictures Mm -hmm. that I've seen online, her little Ford is parked right in front of the door. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe she was had to go in, open up the store, and then leave with a deposit for the bank for a few minutes. So then you lock up. Okay. So she might have gone in and got some stuff organized and then was supposed to take the deposit to the bank. So okay. she just p- could have parked at the front door. Okay. For, you know, a few minutes and then, you know, with the intention of going to the bank real quick and coming back right. and parking elsewhere. Right. I don't know why her car was parked there, but I do know that she used to have to do bank deposits periodically. Okay. So that, that so, would make sense. I've seen um, speculation that she was afraid to cross the parking lot, but you know, on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday morning, the bagel shop's busy. There's people around. That's not when you're going to be afraid to leave your car on the other side of the lot. It would be if you were closing or if you were working in the evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe there was no parking on the across the lot sure. at the time. If it was morning and people were busy getting, you know, bagels and a coffee. And, right. you know, so maybe that's where she had to park. But, on, I mean, normally she she wouldn't park there, especially Tuesday morning, right? Right. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, we just, there's so many unanswered questions as to, like, all these why, why this, why that. The other big why for me is the diaper pen. 
He apparently, in the, the jacket that he shed that he left behind, there was a diaper pen in the pocket. Yeah, uh, attached on the inside of the the coat. So was it pinned inside the coat? I, I believe so, yeah, just on the inside. Okay. Uh, not far from the zipper. I believe it was just pinned up in there. But it wasn't functional. It wasn't like holding the jacket together. I don't think so. I've been noodling that over, like, why would he have a diaper pen pinned in his coat? It just... I mean, do they still have diaper pins like that? They, they do. So I consulted with the listener, D. Sativa, about how this diaper pen may be related to drug use. And he was kind enough to explain that you can put a chunk of hash or hashish at the end of the pen and then burn it, almost like you're roasting a marshmallow. Then you inhale the smoke from the burning hash through a tube. While Kim and I tried to puzzle out the meaning of this diaper pen, his explanation does make sense. So it's possible that our killer had the pen inside of his jacket for a drug-related reason. I have spoke to some mediums I've spoke to. I mean, it's, we're going on 20 years. Yeah. Somebody has to know something. I'm desperate. Absolutely. You know, how um, I've had woman, one woman tell me, you know, he, uh, very, like, very into drugs and, and mental illness was was pretty good and, this person had a bad childhood, and oh. I was told he didn't. I was told he didn't live far. Okay, so that he was, that he may have been a local, a local guy yeah, who was troubled. That possibly but lived with his grandmother. Somebody, I like to think Sudbury's not. I don't know the population up in Sudbury, but I know it's not a great big city. You know, it's not Toronto or Ottawa. No, no. You'd think somebody not. would recognize him. You would think unless somebody's just trying to protect him. She wasn't just a girl that was murdered. She was a daughter, a sister, a friend. She had a life, you know? She was going somewhere, not, you know? And somebody's protecting somebody, and they don't know why. Because you don't don't just do that and, and disappear off the face of the earth. No. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know, and I don't know why. You know, it, I, why would anybody do that to her? She didn't do anything to anybody. She kept to herself going, you know, putting herself through school. She just was living her life quietly, wasn't involved in anything. You know, yeah. she wasn't she wasn't drinking a lot. She didn't drink a lot. She didn't do drugs. No, she was a college student with her own place and a boyfriend and a really cool hobby with the music. So, you know, I just, I don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's, it was overkill. It was, it appears random. It appears to be a robbery, but the, the overkill and the um, inappropriate clothing are all very, very strange. The other yeah. thing I want to mention is, and this is from a news article back in 2010, is that the jacket, the blue High Sierra jacket, and it's more of a teal than a true blue, and he mm-hmm. was wearing white cotton garden gloves. But that jacket, that, that teal blue Sierra, High Sierra jacket, was sold exclusively by the Mervyn's department stores, and the jacket was sold either in 1994 or 1995. And we had mm-hmm. those Mervyn stores in Michigan. Okay. 
Um, they also had a shoe print from a black and white Brooks brand running shoe. So those are real distinctive pieces that that he yeah. had in addition to the DNA and the partial fingerprint and the shoe print. I mean, they have so much, and somebody somebody has to recognize this guy or say, you know what, I think that's so-and-so, and maybe maybe this killer is not still around. Maybe he has passed away, but somebody is going to look at this picture and think about that jacket and think about those shoes and his glasses and his coloring and go, you know what, I think that's so-and-so. And and we need to hear from those people. Yes. It just it doesn't make any sense how... Why why this happened in the first place, and how they're still out there? Maybe maybe they did pass away. I'm aware that the police have gone after children of possible suspects to get DNA. Okay, so they're they've trying. taken they've taken a lot of DNA from you know different people and trying to narrow this out, narrow this down, figure out who did this. But if he died in a car wreck or if he took his own life, they may not have collected DNA. That's right. And in now, that case, we'll never know. Looking at some of the old news reports, it says that there was a reward for information. Are you aware if that's still available? I did speak to an officer last year. Okay. And I had I had said, I said, you know, that's a substantial amount. $25,000. Right. Is that still up for grabs? And he said it is. Oh, good. And I said, well, I think you should say that because times are tough for a lot of people. And if somebody, yeah, you know, $25,000 can change someone's life. It absolutely can. You know, just to do the right thing. And Sudbury Crime Stoppers would be the, the group to contact. They have a website or um, yes, I will There's include also- a phone number at the end of the episode for people as well. I believe there was like a, a Renee Sweeney tip hotline. If you call the police station and ask, there was a whole group of people at, at one point. Maybe it's narrowed down to perhaps one or two right now, but okay, you could call the police station as well. You, you have know, a Facebook she, group also. Can you talk a little bit about that for the listeners? I didn't start that Facebook group. <laughs> right. um, the girl who did... I was amazed that she did that just, you know, for people to be aware of what happened to her. And, you know, she was a real person absolutely, um, with a life and just to bring, you know, if they have anything they wanted to say or, or to remember her by. Right. She, she had started this. So I thought that was great. I'm going to share the link to that for listeners. So if they want to join the group and, and keep up or if they have information um, or want to read some of the, I know there's some of the old news stories are shared there also. I will put a link for that. Uh, I'll oh, get that later great. in the show. And, and I will share that on Facebook so that people I can know, follow the case. Yeah. I know somebody took it upon themselves to create a new a new poster. For, I think it was over a year ago. Okay. But with with the award. Okay. Because at the beginning, there was, uh, there were posters all around Sudbury. You know, I'd go into the store and there, well, there it is. You know, it was all over. It hit me everywhere I went, uh, which is fine. Well, it's a it's mixed just, blessing. You know, people yeah, care. Yeah. It's great that people care, but uh, you know, you're you're reminded of it every time you walked in the store, and then slowly the posters 
started to disappear. And, you know, people forgot. And, and you know, meanwhile, it's still real. It still happened. I mean, 20 years is a long time. She lost her life. My kids don't have an aunt. I don't have any nieces and nephews from her, right? Like, you know, she she was a great person. Just this week, I spoke with Sergeant Robert Weston of the Greater Sudbury Police. If you have information about the murder of Renee Sweeney, please contact the Sudbury Police. They have a tip line set up. 705-675-9171, extension 2320. That's 705-675-9171, extension 2320. You can support the show by visiting our sponsor, canvaspeople.com. Get a free 11 by 14 print. You just pay shipping. Visit canvaspeople.com and use code GONE at checkout. If you would like to discuss this case or others you've heard on the show, please join us on Facebook in the Already Gone podcast discussion group. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, email me, host at alreadygonepodcast.com. You can also find the show on Twitter at alreadygonepod. There are just two episodes left in 2017. Then, Already Gone will take a winter break until mid-January 2018. I'm Nina Instead, the writer, producer, and voice behind Already Gone. I appreciate you listening, and please, be safe.